If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to the Newborn Mothers Podcast. And today we have another one of my brilliant students on um, who is Shelley. Shelley lives on the central coast, am I right? Mid-north coast. Mid-north coast. Mid-North Coast in Australia. She is a postpartum doula, among other things, but has a background in all sorts of areas. You do massage, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, But particularly why I really wanted to get you on the show today is to talk about vaginal steaming. Um, So can you introduce yourself, Shelley, and let us know a little bit about what you do? Sure, yeah. As you said, I have a varied background. So I'm social worker. Um, I don't personally have a background in traditional Chinese medicine, although I've studied a little bit. That's how I came to vaginal steaming, which I'll go into. But um, I'm a postpartum doula, having studied with Newborn Mothers Collective, um, and that is my main focus at the moment. But I also have a background, like you said, in um, massage, in lomi lomi reflexology, and recently I'm studying um, herbal medicine, not to become a clinical um, herbalist, but to become a, an informed home herbalist and to use that in my postpartum practice. And I've studied vaginal steaming with the steamy cheek. Awesome. Yeah, which is really getting to be a big thing. Like, you know, I've, I've read a lot about um, in many, many traditional cultures, in general, heat therapies are very, very popular in, in postpartum. Um, so using things like steam and, and herbs to, to heal the body in many different ways. Sometimes it's steam, sometimes it's smoke, sometimes it's, you know, hot stones. There are so many different ways. But, but vaginal steaming is, um, is quite common in traditional cultures and I've noticed it's really making a comeback. So some people might be listening to this and going, what on earth is vaginal steaming? And other people might be going like, oh, you know, that must be that thing that my grandma used to talk about or something, you know. So how did you find out about vaginal steaming? Yeah, well, I found out about it 15 years ago. I was studying some part of the way through a degree in naturopathy that I'll probably never finish, but I was really immersing myself in natural therapies. And I was having some personal um, gynecological issues, nothing major. And I went along to see a traditional Chinese medicine doctor in Melbourne, who's well known in that area of women's health. And he gave me a bunch of herbs for all sorts of stuff, digestion, but he also gave me herbs and explained to me to do vaginal steaming, which at the time he didn't even give it a term and I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I would go home, boil up the herbs and then sit over a pot that was, or a bowl specifically for this use. I wouldn't cook a cake out of it next week. And I would sit over these steaming herbs and it resolved some really basic things like thrush and that sort of thing for me. Um, And so I thought, oh, well, that's amazing. I'll just keep that up my sleeve if I ever need it again. Unfortunately, I hadn't. And it wasn't really until um, I started delving more into postpartum care and I have a garden. I call myself a home herbalist. I grow food but also um, herbs for everyday home herbal use. And I decided in my postpartum practice that after a little bit of research um, wanting and that seeing that a lot of traditional cultures did use it postpartum to develop a postpartum herbal steam blend for clients. Um, and then I started doing markets and 
realized that other women were coming and really interested in this idea and this way of um, practicing women's health and that I needed to learn more about it for a broad range of women's health. So I came to it more currently through postpartum. And so that's, that led me to my STEMI chick studies to become more informed and be able to help women um, in a safe way. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. And a lot of people kind of come at it from different angles, but I know that in lots of different traditional cultures, vaginal steaming can be used in postpartum, but also for um, menstrual cycles and for menopause as well. But one of the questions that, that um, I've come across people asking is, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to talk about vaginal steaming without talking about or buying into this kind of idea that a lot of, you know, modern society sells that vaginas are, are somehow dirty or unclean um, and that this, you know, we shouldn't need to do regular cleansing. We should, you know, our bodies are, are naturally healthy and they're designed to function as they are. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because for some people, they might feel a bit uncomfortable with, with that idea. Yeah, there's a few parts to that. So it is a traditional practice and um, Kelly Garza, the steamy chick, has recorded it in currently over 70 countries as a traditional practice um, everywhere from Central America, Africa, Southeast Asia, in Europe as well. The British Isles called it fumigation because the British are really great at coming up with charming names for things. <laughs> we can go particularly, into... <laughs> yeah, particularly relating to women. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I guess it's such a complex topic, but when we bring that through to the modern day, there are some cultures, especially um, Indonesia, Korea, South America and Africa, that still have a very strong uh, steaming, vaginal steaming or womb steaming and, oh, and Morocco uh, practice, or they might use smoke. Where, and then there's other cultures that had it but have lost it, much like when we're talking about revitalising postpartum care practices. I see it um, fairly similar in that way. It's been lost and there's somewhat of a revitalization. So in the losing of these traditions, um, there's so many factors and part of that's modernization and us moving away from each other and living um, more separate, but also moving away from um, in-home herbal traditions. And Often the midwife was someone who would look after not only a pregnant woman and a woman during birth and postpartum, but she often had knowledge of um, herbal medicine and would help to look after the community as well. So she, that might be her main focus is women and babies, but she would have herbal knowledge and people would go to the midwife for other sorts of support. So I think in having um, lost our practice of the midwife really being the main caretaker there and moving into hospitals and obstetrics and I'm not um, not belittling the medical system it's very useful and very helpful it's helped me personally but we've lost a lot there and in that we've kind of the wave of feminism has come through as a layer on that that um, tells us that you know women uh, we're perfect as we are and this is a really important factor as well our bodies are perfect as they are there's a, a, there's a wave of like feminine hygiene products that sort of started entering the market in the 1950s and um, 
there's some horrendous reports on how damaging they've been to women's health. And so um, in response, in a more modern way, in feminism, we've said, well, we don't need feminine hygiene products. Why do we need to put this spray or this douche in our vagina to make it smell like some sort of toilet or laundry freshener? Um, we don't need to smell like a lavender garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, we've reclaimed the fact that our vaginas are perfect, our vulvas are perfect, our reproductive system is perfect and is self-cleaning. And there is truth to that. But in that also, we've kind of rejected those old ways of maintaining our reproductive health. So I think when we're looking at um, the rejection of things like yoni or vaginal womb steaming in regards to the fact that the vagina is self-cleaning we could then kind of look at other ways that we use herbal steam so the respiratory system is a great example Uh, many people will be familiar if you've got congestion in your sinuses your nose and even your lungs you might boil up some water and put some herbs in or eucalyptus oil and a towel and stick your head under and it helps to to clear the airways and the steam's not physically entering the lungs, but it is helping to, with decongestion. Um, also, we've got other orifices that need a bit of help sometimes, um, our ears. And so all of those orifices, uh, nasal passages, ears, our vagina, um, are somewhat self-maintaining and regulating, but sometimes they need a bit of support when things get out of balance. So I hope that that sort of makes people realise we're not saying that uh, vaginas are dirty and need cleaning. In fact, when we look at all the traditional um, uses and prescriptions for vaginal steaming, I've never seen one or heard one saying we do this to um, clean the vagina because it's dirty. It's to restore balance or to aid healing. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, a lot of the times with the patriarchy there, a lot of some uh, traditional things did get kind of bastardized and reinterpreted along the way and, and used as a way of, pre- of oppressing women. And one example of that is the idea that women's menstrual blood is dirty and they're, you know, forbidden from certain activities. But, you know, I think originally that probably would have been something like a red tent experience. It would have been a way for women to um, have a, a break from their daily duties and obligations, you know, and to honour the cycles of their body. So, you know, you can, you can definitely interpret these things in two ways. And I think it's important to have balance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think more and more, it's like a new wave of feminism, Uh, where we're going, oh, maybe we threw the baby out with the bathwater in some aspects while reclaiming our strength and and equality and we're reclaiming sort of a feminine practice and feminine knowledge um, instead of feminism being a way to be equal to men, to be identical and to be like them and to part of that rejecting herbal medicine and other aspects. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. I think that's so true. Um, now, the other objection that I've heard and the other kind of big questions, because people are often really uncomfortable talking about vaginas and they often aren't particularly familiar with their own vaginas, but people wonder about the biology. Like what is actually happening when you sit over a bowl of steam? Because, you know, most women will be aware that if they go for a swim, water doesn't usually go up your vagina. You know, it's, it is designed to close um, and it's designed to keep your body hygienic. So 
what is going on when you sit over a bowl of steam? <laughs> yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's such an important thing that um, we need to explain and discuss when we're talking about vaginal steaming. So also vaginal steaming can be called um, yoni steaming or womb steaming. And yoni is a Sanskrit word that sort of encompasses the whole reproductive space. So the vagina is just the, the entrance. And then we have the vulva, which consists of... Um, complex array of things, the labia, inner labia, your clitoris, um, lots of different things. Sorry, I've just got something going on on my computer. Um, and so the yoni encompasses that whole space with the womb um, mm -hmm. included. And so when we're talking about vaginal steaming, we really are talking about that whole area. And for anyone that's studied biology, physiology, they may know that the skin is the largest organ. It is actually an organ and it is highly um, permeable. It can absorb things quite well, although it does have the ability to, um, to filter and repel. It still does absorb anything that you put onto it, which is why we see this massive movement towards more natural skincare and makeup because mm. the chemicals are being absorbed. So especially the, the vulva um, and the areas that are exposed, the anus and the skin there, so the steam is coming up. So we're boiling herbs in the water and then um, there's steam. And, oh, I should say that it should, it should never be hot. It should never be uncomfortable. It should just be a really enjoyable, warm steam, sort of like a sauna. It is essentially just a herbal sauna for the pelvis. Um, so the steam is rising up. And depending on the herbs you have, it's much like uh, a herbal tea for the pelvis. My friend calls it a fanny tea and I laugh every time. <laughs> it gets old. Um, <laughs> so herbs have a bunch of different um, components to them. And I'm not going to go into too many details, but they have things like alkaloids, terpenoids, phenolics, um, which are things like um, essential oils. And there's all other aspects to essential oils and alkaloids, things like caffeine. And they, and other, there's many, many other components to herbs. So when the steam comes up, it carries all these herbal components, which um, when together, so there's a theory in herbal medicine that the, it's called the whole herb principle and that the whole herb is safer than um, extracting parts out of the herb as yeah. we see with essential oils. And I think there's a place for essential oils. It's definitely not steaming um, because certain components that could be very strong in isolation are buffered by other components in the herbs. So when you have the whole herb, you have a nice, really well-rounded um, medicinal quality. So the steam brings that up and it delivers all those medicinal qualities to the skin and the sensitive tissue of the vulva and the pelvis and the anus. And then it is absorbed. So the, as most people would know it's very sensitive areas a lot of nerve endings but there's also a really intricate network of capillaries and arteries um, large arteries when you go further in so those capillaries carry these herbal medicines and it becomes absorbed into the reproductive area um, through veins and then through capillaries um, and I imagine that skin is more permeable than other parts of your body as well. I mean, it's much more sensitive skin, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is, especially when, yeah, we're looking at the anus and vulva area, but it does hit the whole, um, the, the hips. The whole pelvis. Well. It yeah. sounds like we, you know, it's too late. It's called vaginal steaming now. I don't think it's going to change, but it sounds like a more accurate word would actually be like pelvic steaming. Yeah, and sometimes I write that. A lot of people call it yoni steaming, and I mm. like that, but I also still use the word vagina ste- vaginal steaming because... Um, sometimes people think Yoni's a bit woo-woo or won't know what that is. Yeah, and I think I think vaginal steaming is the most common word for it now, so it's probably going to stick, isn't it? Yeah, and then we just have a conversation with that. And speaking to um, Layla B, the Moroccan postpartum revitalist, she, they call it womb steaming. I thought that was really beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uterine venous plexus, <laughs> the veins that transport... Um, oxygen deplete of blood from the uterus and carry it back to the heart and then there's another um, main artery that brings blood down from the heart and into the uterus so there's sort of this up and down function and it's really important and this is known in mainstream medicine for that circulatory system to be really open um, and circulating well and not have any blockages so we're looking at nice dilated um, veins and open arteries and I really feel that the herbs that are being used traditionally and that I've learned to use have um, have this component so when we look at uh, the properties we want in the herbs for vaginal steaming we're looking for a number of things but the main ones are circulatory um, antimicrobial and nourishing so it's also about carrying uh, nourishing minerals into the bloodstream straight to that area of the pelvis. And so why not just have a cup of herbal tea? Well, definitely have a cup of herbal tea. Um, everyone knows about herbal tea and it's really beneficial. But the digestive system is a really powerful filter. It needs to be. And sometimes by the time you've had a herbal tea and it um, has been filtered through the body and the bloodstream, you might lose a lot once it gets to the reproductive area. So the steam- Yeah, which is exactly what we get taught in Ayurveda as well, that, um, you know, the skin is a digestive organ and that if people have weak digestion, they might not be able to absorb enough fat, for example, and that's why we do um, massage with oils and that that can, that can be a way of sort of lubricating the body without having to put the, that pressure on the digestive system to have to digest all of that. Oh, interesting. That's really good to know with Ayurveda. Yeah, the skin is such a powerful um, organ <laughs> that we can yeah. really use well. And yeah, Ayurveda does have a lot of the oils. And I'm actually going to look into some herbal, making some herbal oils as a complementary. Um, mm. And I'm glad you brought up the um, the massage and the warmth. So for postpartum steaming and even other um, menstrual issues and menstrual health, warmth is such an important factor. So just the steam alone, you can just steam with steam or you could put a bit of apple cider vinegar. I guess it's uh, it's similar to saying drinking warm water is really good for you, but if you add in some herbs or herbal tea, then you're just going to get a little bit extra medicinal quality. So it's the same with the steam. Um, yeah, so that's almost a good way for people to try it. If they're kind of not quite convinced or they're not sure if they're going to like it, you can just try it with just water and steam. And then if it's your thing, then you might decide to look more into some herbs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll go into the how-to a little bit. So the other really important, and I'm just sort of scratching the surface here, but the other really important um, aspect to the physiology is uh, lymph. 
So people might be familiar with lymph, with lymphatic drainage um, massage and um, hearing about how exercise and movement is really important to move lymph. So uh, whereas blood um, supplies, carries oxygen and nutrients, lymph detoxifies and carries fat-soluble nutrients. Um, so it's interesting you say about the skin and the fat um, nutrients in Ayurveda. Mm. So for a woman who's postpartum, Is this podcast making you wonder if becoming a postpartum professional is right for you? Download our free guide at newbornmothers.com. You'll learn what qualifications and training you need, what sort of hours you'll work, what to wear, and most importantly, how to actually make a living because it's not feminism if women don't get paid. Visit newbornmothers.com and enter your email to get the free guide. She should not be exerting too much energy with movement and exercise. She should be conserving all that energy to heal and if she's breastfeeding, to breastfeed and to allow her nervous system to recover from that huge transition um, into motherhood through birth. And so that's where we see a lot of traditional cultures doing the massage and using some sort of warmth. And so steaming, um, I honestly believe, and there's no, there's not, really much research there's a little bit i'll send you a link from the steamy chick um and she's compiling research also the steamy chick is doing her own postpartum vaginal steam study she has a background in research so she's doing that at the moment that will be interesting so the lymph um when you apply warmth or massage you're helping to move and detoxify so so handy for those times um like postpartum and yeah which again we need to really look at such more holistic systems like even you mentioned using the whole herb instead of isolating things but it's like you can't just do vaginal steaming and think it's going to solve all the problems in your life you know all of these things are designed to work together you know and you need to have good sleep and good nutrition you know massage is complementary and and steaming is complementary and all of these things they're actually designed to work together one of the concerns we hear a lot about traditional postpartum care is the idea of resting in bed for 40 days and a lot of um doctors will say oh but the risk of um of deep vein thrombosis is so high they need to get moving um but then traditional cultures actually have this a lot of ideas about keeping the circulation the lymph nodes um moving through things like steam and massage so that you know again it all works together you can't just take one element of this care and and expect it to be a magic pill yeah absolutely yeah and you're right so for a woman that's not moving then things like massage and steam are going to be really helpful to um to keep the lymph and circulation going because often with the steaming whether it was postpartum or not the woman would also do um some sort of be herbal um foot soak or a massage at the same time and she would have a cloak or a blanket around her so her whole body was being steamed it was essentially a steam sauna um Mm-hmm. and then that that means that the woman can rest and <laughs> she's been pampered yes. and it, i think it is so important to, especially with menstrual issues to be looking at seeing um possibly a nutritionist or a herbalist and and outsourcing some information there for that holistic health um and to get massage and do yoga mindfulness and what I really love about steaming as one aspect in that holistic picture is it's something you can do at home. 
it's really easy, it's affordable. Once you've got your herbs that are good for you and your steam plan that's good for you, yeah, it's really quite accessible for a lot of people, which is what I love about it. And do you do that? Do you set people up with their own plan and, and herbs? Yeah, yeah. So I can, um, I'll just, I've got intake, an intake form, um, just to get a little bit of the background or I might just um, have a chat with someone or some back and forths just to make sure that there's no contraindications, which I'll go into as well, um, to make sure it is a safe practice. For most people, vaginal steam is going to be fine and there are some times where you shouldn't do that. And then I grow most of my herbs and I worked with Kelly, who has worked with lots of um, herbal medicine practitioners, and she's studied extensively to develop my formulas to make sure they're balanced. Um, and then I've got four different blends for people, depending on uh, what's happening for them. So, yeah, all really fresh organic herbs, and I can set you up as a steam plan. And then um, if things change for a person, then we might reassess. And I also, for postpartum, I have, or for anyone, I have two chairs and I'm about to launch in the next couple of months my own steam stools. So people, if they really love it and it's something they want to incorporate into their self-care practice, they can get a nice simple steam stool at home. Yeah, I love it. Because again, like I said, a lot of people might be introduced to the idea in postpartum, but then they actually find it's a really good monthly practice for them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, well, when you talk to especially Korean women, but other women in Central South America, it's just something they do. It's just a monthly practice um, and a maintenance. And if there's an issue, then they might do a more intensive um, routine regime. Um, But otherwise, they try and prevent and maintain Mm -hmm. with a monthly practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for different cultures, that looks different. You know, one of our new collective students, her name's Anna, and she's from Colombia, but she was asking her her grandmother um, and her husband's grandmother about postpartum care in Colombia. And they said, this was her words, she said, vapor with herbs, seating for the uterus to recover. I'm not sure what words I should use. (laughs) And we were like, oh, that sounds like vaginal steaming. That's awesome. Yeah, so Rosita Avigo who people might have heard of the uh, Vigo therapy, which is an abdominal massage therapy. So Rosita Vigo was fairly um, influential in bringing vaginal steaming to the Americas all around and now to the world. And she trained and apprenticed um, with traditional healers and midwives. And I'm pretty sure she, I'll have to look into this, don't quote me, she might even have a... um, Uh, mainstream midwifery um, qualification as well. And so they have a maintenance uh, program and definitely a very strong um, postpartum womb steaming practice. But basically she said the old um, traditional midwives, like if you went to them and she has had a clinic, she's retired now, if anyone came to you with any reproductive issues or if you went to the traditional midwives, they'd say, first go steam, see if it resolves it, if not, come back to me. <laughs> so everything was first go steam. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a reset button. Turn yeah. your computer on yeah. and off again, and if there's still a problem, let me know. <laughs> yeah, and like here in Australia there's, um, and the Americas, and I'm not sure where else in the world, or in Southeast Asia I know there is, there's steam saunas, so places you go specifically just to have um, a vaginal steam. There's specifically Korean ones in Sydney and in Australia. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, super interesting. I, I just think it's really fascinating. Um, now, have you got any last things to add? Oh, I want to share a few links as well in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yes. So um, things that are going to things that it's good for and times not to. Yeah, so, perfect. Vaginal yoni steam benefits are regulating menstrual cycles. So we might be looking at lengthening short, short cycles bringing on delayed cycles, um, decreasing heavy flow, easing painful menstruation and PMS, assisting with decreasing fibroids, cyst and prolapse, clearing old residue that is associated with endometriosis and adenomosis, healing scar tissue, resolving bacterial, fungal, yeast and viral infections, and disclaimer there that not something that you should mess around with this is something that if you're in the really early stages of an infection you might do that and see if it resolves but if you're having any ongoing symptoms always see a gp had women come to me and i'm like mm, do this for a day or two but if you get a fever anytime just immediately to the gp mm-hmm. um and if there's persistent um, symptoms go see a gp so resolving abnormal discharge so colored and smelly discharge Postpartum recovery, we've talked about. However, with a C-section, you wait six weeks because um, there's still a lot of the arteries and of the veins, sorry, that are healing mm-hmm. there. Um, to relieve dryness associated with menopause and other hormonal life changes. Assist with resolving trauma, both birth and sexual. We haven't gone into this much, but there no, is. that we could do a whole podcast yeah. on that topic. You know, yeah. I was just talking to another one of our students this morning about um, Melissa is her name but about how a lot of the time when people aren't quite ready to talk about trauma, they might not be there yet, but sometimes just this physical kind of healing element can be a really nice entry into reconnecting with their bodies and, yeah, and a step yeah, into Yeah, I think it's such an important part of trauma care is really gentle um, ways that act physically on the body without having to go over the narrative of it. Yes, exactly. My main report back, so I've had some really interesting um, experiences with people from physiological complaints, but the main thing that every woman says is how relaxed they feel, how well they slept and how nurtured they felt. So it's a ritual of self-care and self-love and it's a whole other topic, but looking at how warmth affects oxytocin and the vagus nerve runs from the perineum up. Yeah, I think there's a whole whole aspect mm. there yet to be understood. Even just the mindfulness meditation aspect of it is going to be beneficial too. Yeah, the breathing with the warmth. So breath moves lymph as well as calms the mind and the nervous system and the warmth just sort of calms everything. So um, the contraindications, really, really important to never steam when you're pregnant. Um, if you think mm. you may be pregnant, get checked before you steam. Um, current infections and outbreaks such as herpes and things like that, wait till it resolves and then do a maintenance steam afterwards. Uh, never steam when you're bleeding as in your period or an interim bleed. So um, even if you're spotting in between periods, don't steam, wait till it stops. Um, apart from, so the exception to that is the lochia, so the bleeding postpartum. It's fine to steam during that time. However, you wait a few days, and this is why it's important to talk with a practitioner, at least to just get you going and to check in those first few steams. Um, wait till your locus has just started to decrease. It doesn't have to have stopped. And that means that your uterine artery has started to close. Um, mm-hmm. And 
If you're trying to conceive, never steam after ovulation because the heat may affect sperm quality um, and also the pH of your vagina, Mm -hmm. which is needed for fertile sperm. The other kind of soft contraindications are IUDs. So if you've got an IUD, it has been known for steaming to loosen um, and relax everything to the point where it's fallen out or it's dislodged. Um, and then tubal ligation, so where people have had their tubes, um, they've sort of lasered, they've got this scar tissue there, that's how they've closed the tubes. There has been um, evidence of people steaming and possibly that resolving some scar tissue to the point where sperm could get through. So, yeah. <gasps> well, yeah. that would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> People just need to be informed. They might have some reproductive issues and go, actually, no, it's worth me trying steaming to resolve this. Mm, I'll just mm-hmm. be careful with other types of contraception. Yeah, no, definitely important to know. And it shows you how powerful it is. Yes, exactly. I yeah. always think when people say there are no side effects, I kind of am a bit skeptical because I think if there's no side effects, doesn't that mean that maybe it's, there's no good effects either? You know, I think everything yes. has times when there's benefits and then if there's every opposite, every uh, action has an opposite and equal reaction. So it is um, always important to be aware of the power of these things. Yeah, informed, informed choice around that. Yeah, it's so true. I think they're the main things. And the quick how-to is basically you just get a pot, roughly a litre of water, and brew up the specified amount of herbs in there, simmer for 10 minutes, let it cool for 10 minutes, or until steam is warm but not too hot. So if you can hold your hand over it at the distance that you'll be sitting over it, um, then that's fine. It should never burn or be hot. Mm-hmm. You can strain the herbs and pour the brew in. Oh, always boil it with the lid on to keep all the medicinal qualities in. Mm-hmm. You can so set up the steam. Off. Yes, yes, otherwise you lose all the, the good qualities. Mm-hmm. Set up the steam station on a bath mat or a towel. So you can have just like a stainless steel mixing bowl that you put aside for steaming and pour your herbal brew in and sit over it, just kind of squat over it on your knees. Um so you don't have to spend lots of money to get set up. You might invest in a stool down the track if it's really helping to maintain your menstrual cycle or you're going to use it postpartum. You don't really want to be squatting postpartum. You want to be comfortable. Um, yeah, and then squat over it and wrap a towel or wear a nice long flowing skirt to keep the steam in or a dressing gown, something like that, and just mm-hmm. sit over it until the steam cools down for so about 10, 15 minutes. So, yeah, it's that easy, really. Mm, that's great. And you can see why these such simple things that people can do for themselves you know it's so accessible it's so affordable you can see why that's been part of natural health care for women for you know centuries and centuries i love it yeah yeah it is that's right it doesn't have to be difficult as as simple solutions for a lot of things for really mild mm-hmm. complaints and for maintaining health i think really we need a culture where we're looking at maintaining health rather than waiting till things get really serious yes absolutely Oh, that was so informative and so helpful. Thank you for that. No worries. So we mentioned on this podcast, we will put the links in the show notes, Layla B, who teaches Moroccan postpartum care, and she's a member of our collective as well. And I'm one of her students too. She, her course is amazing. So we'll put a link to her if you want to learn about Moroccan steaming. We'll leave a link for Kelly Gaza, who is the, chimi, the steamy chick. And she is doing uh, research and really... Um, I think doing heaps of work in bringing vaginal steaming into kind of more mainstream awareness. So we'll pop her link up too. She has a course um, specifically on vaginal steaming. Yeah. And then you also mentioned Rosita 
Avigo. Yeah. So I think Kelly, one of Kelly's teachers was Rosita Avigo and she's since learnt from lots of people. Yeah, Yeah. great. So we'll pop a link up. I'm not so familiar with her work, but I will definitely be looking into her after this and um, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes as well. And then last of all, uh, Shelley, where can people find you and what can you do for them? If they've like listened to this and they're like, sign me up. I need to know how to do this. I want more steamy. Uh, what did you call? We were calling you the steam queen. Steam queen. <laughs> I need the steam queen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've really got to get something made up with steam queen. Um, yeah. So I can be found um, online at my website, pollinationmamas.com. It's just.com. And then also on Instagram and Facebook at the same name, pollination mamas and mamas is M A M. A-S, think about that. (laughs) um, On my website, I have a bunch of information in the blog, on um, just on the webpage about vaginal steaming. You can also go to my shop and see the herbs I've got there and I explain what each um, type of blend is good for. And I also have... I'm just looking at it. They look beautiful. Rose Queen, Honeysuckle Queen, Lotus Queen and Sweet Nectar Queen. Yeah. (laughs) So if you want to become a steam queen yourself, it's pretty easy. (laughs) Four steam queen blends. And um, I also have a free PDF, a quick how-to, sort of what I explained to you with some pictures and maybe a little bit more. It's super simple, but it's all you need. And then I'm there to contact and troubleshoot any questions if you have a bit more of a complex case or you're unsure if the con- I've got the contraindications on my website, if you're not sure, just contact me and um, I can give you some ideas of other practitioners to see that could help you to get you to a place where you could steam. Mm-hmm. Or if you're trying to conceive and you want to make sure it's beneficial. There's growing evidence in IVF clinics, um, especially where it's, there's a traditional history they ask women to do steams before the IVF treatment because they're having greater success and there'll be research coming out on that soon. So if that's you, Mm. yeah, contact me and I'm happy to answer any questions, any concerns and troubleshoot. I love it. Thank stories. If you've got experience, please come and share. Yeah, you know, because it's something that's, you know, like I feel like so much of this women's wisdom has just been pushed underground in the past, you know, hundreds of years. Um, and it really is making a big resurgence at the moment. So a lot of the time it is like, oh, yeah, that's what my grandma was talking about, you know. So, Or there might be women who feel like, oh, I just, I'm so out of touch with my culture, you know. We've had so many, you know, breaks in that, that lineage that they don't have those connections anymore. So definitely reach out. Um, and I can see that you do. You do one-on-one sessions locally, but you also do online consults and sell the herbs too. So, um, yes, go and check out Shelley's website, Pollination Mamas, if you want to learn more. Thank you. Thank you. Have you got any last things to add? That was um, was awesome. I better stop. (laughs) Thanks so much. It's been such a pleasure coming on your podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll, we'll chat next time. Look forward to it. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.